With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving Up Live right here on, on almost at Facebook. Whoops. I knew I was going to slip up there. On Twitter and on YouTube, not just on the Carving It Up YouTube channel, but on the Grid YouTube channel. So welcome to our Grid audience. Obviously, you guys know I'm a member of the Grid Podcast Network, have been since September, since its inception. And finally, I've been looking how to do this for a while, and i got to give all the credit in the world to my man Ryan Flowers, who did his Clutch Sports Talk uh, live stream yesterday. He helped me a lot with that, so I really appreciate Ryan uh, in this process. He Listen, when all else fails, Ryan Flowers is the man to you know to help you out, especially when it comes to, to well, really anything involving podcasting, live streams, that sort of thing. So shout out to Ryan. And graphics, by the way. His graphics are incredible. He actually created this overlay that you're looking at right now. So shout out Ryan Flowers. But we do have a loaded show on tap for you guys tonight. Uh, obviously, Lamar Jackson asking out of Baltimore took everybody by surprise. Uh, I wouldn't say myself necessarily. I feel like this was kind of impending for a while. He said he asked out of Baltimore on March 2nd. I'll get to that. The Mavericks without Kyrie Irving. The Mavericks with Kyrie Irving. This is now three straight teams. The Kyrie Irving is wrecked. It's kind of his kind of his thing. I'll get to that. LeBron James returning to the Lakers. They lost to the Chicago Bulls yesterday. But I'm actually starting to buy some stock into the Lakers, not just next season, which you guys know I'm I'm in on them next year. But this year, I don't know. From what I've seen, what I'm seeing in the Western Conference, hey. Anything can happen. I'll get to the Lakers in just a second. This is the highest I've been on them in years, probably since their bubble championship back in 2020. I'll talk about the end of the San Diego State and Creighton game. A lot of people are kind of up in arms about that, the Elite Eight game. Uh, San Diego State Aztecs won to advance uh, to, the, to the next round. What I think is interesting is how many people are getting really, really mad about the whole situation, about the foul that was called at the end. I'll get to that later in the show. I don't think it's near as big of a deal as people think. Uh, sorry to all the Creighton fans out there. And at the end of the show, my Golden State Warriors lost last night to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Despite that, I think it's absolutely no reason to panic. I will explain why at the end of today's show. We do have a lot of sports to talk about today. There's no question about that. I'm looking forward to, to getting into all that. That's why you tune into the show every Monday, Thursday, and Friday, and I love you all for it. 
But I find myself sitting here in the exact same place, talking about the exact same problem that we have in America that I talked about, if I'm not mistaken, it was May the 26th, I believe, of 2022 that I talked about this on Carving It Up. We had a mass shooting today at another school. Hits different because it happens to be in the state that I'm from, the state that I live in, Tennessee. Nashville Christian School, the Covenant School is what it is called. Three kids dead, as well as, as far as we know right now, three adults at the school. Um, how do I even get into this? Because you hear takes on Twitter, you hear it on social media, and otherwise. Here's what I'll say. Um, this is obviously an epidemic that's been going on in this country for quite some time, as we are all aware of. We can all, heck, I certainly can remember where I was when I heard about Parkland. When I heard years and years ago about Sandy Hook in Newtown, Connecticut. You think about Las Vegas. Think about Uvalde last year. You think about Buffalo last year. El Paso a few years ago and El Paso last year. A 4th of July celebration, if I'm not mistaken, in Chicago last year. It's become all too familiar and all too normal in America. It hits different. I am not from the Nashville area, but it's not too, too far of a drive away from where I'm at. Not only does it hit different because it's the state I'm from, it partly hits different because of the age range that I'm in. I'm 19 years old. I am in college. I'm a freshman. Um, and it wasn't too long ago that I attended high school. Before that, uh, middle school and elementary school and preschool. And the school happens to be for pre-K through the sixth grade. And you're reading reports that at, I believe, a church in Nashville, you've got families. And you've got, you know, the the the, reun the reuniting between the families of the students going on there. And you can't help but think about two things. Number one, the families that are worried sick about their kids, whether or not they're going to see them when they get off that bus. And then, as we know right now, again, three children are dead. You think about the families who, who are not going to see their kid get off a bus, car, etc. You think about the families of the adults lost, how they're not going to get to see their loved one again. Here's what I'd like to say. Um, you guys know I don't... I don't divulge into politics in the show, although I did do a 10-part series last year. Uh, shout out to my man Isaac Lawson. Did a, sh a series with him about the U.S. presidents. I'm very, I'm very plugged into politics. I just, more times not, unless it's extremely warranted, I choose not to discuss that in my show. As far as I went uh, on carving it up, as I've said that I'm a political independent who leans left on some issues, leans right on others. 
As a matter of fact, I believe a lot of people in America do. And I do my best to hold both parties accountable because I think that's what we all need, ought to do as Americans. Hold the, Democrats, uh, 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 hold the Democrats and the Republicans accountable for their actions. But it's hard when you think about how we get so outraged in this country about things that do not mean anything. We get tangled up in these Twitter wars, culture wars rather, about somebody's race or sexual orientation, political affiliation, etc. About what books our kids should read. When we should be worried about whether or not our kids come home from school. Like I said, I'm somebody who's active in politics, and, I, and I'm, I'm more than willing to, to compromise on, on a belief that I have. I do the same thing with my sports opinions. I mean, you guys have seen over the years, I've had an opinion on something, new information comes in, I'm like, okay, I was probably wrong on that one. I'm willing to pivot. What I am not willing to pivot on, and will never be ready to pivot on, is that kids teachers, and everybody who works and resides in a school and elsewhere in the United States of America should feel safe. And to go back to something that I said in this seat, in this podcast room, to this computer, to you, the audience, that I said 10 months ago, last May, I believe firmly with every fiber of my being that America is the greatest country in the world. I still believe that right now. Part of the reason I believe that is because throughout our history, and I'm somebody, again, you know, did, doing that presidential podcast with, with Isaac was, was a blast. I enjoyed every second of it. You look at throughout our history, different sets of adversity that we have faced. Looked all throughout our history. Whether it's been black people with slavery, whether it's been Women looking, searching for the, the equal opportunity, equal rights as men. For example, the opportunity to vote. You think about years and years after that, just 22 years. I'm sorry. Yeah, 22 years ago, this, this year, this September, 9-11. All the wars we fought in. All the trials that this country has been through. And yet we've somehow found a way to overcome it. Why is that? Because we've had people in this country dedicated to solving such issues. To accomplishing such goals. I mean, people said that a democracy never have a chance. Here we are. It is 2023, so we are three years away from a 250th birthday of the United States of America. We have done the impossible in this country because we've had people who dare to do the impossible, who dreamed the impossible. What bothers me about this issue almost as much as kids getting murdered, getting an education, is the fact that those in power in Washington, who we voted for to put there, aren't even making an effort to fix this problem. I'm not going to lump everybody in the same basket because I do believe there are some well-meaning people who are trying to solve this epidemic, this tragic problem that we have in our country. Why is it that 
all of these issues that we have in America throughout our history. We're willing to put in every resource imaginable. World War II comes to mind. How even the most average citizens, so to speak, contributed in some way to the winning effort. To the war effort. But in this one, we'd rather fight. We'd rather call the opposition names, the other side. We'd rather talk about you know, certain things that don't mean anything. As we are now 86 days into 2023, and this was the 129th mass shooting. My question is, at what point is this not going to be okay? Because with all due respect to those in Washington and to those who oppose any kind of change of any kind, I would say two things. First of all, obviously the system that's in place now is not working. That's inarguable. And the second thing that I would say is that with all due respect to the majority, that I'm sure there are some in there that, 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 that experience, maybe I went, went not saying experience something similar to it in, in that they were present, but part of a generation that is impacted by gun violence. The vast majority of those in power and those who are opposing any type of change whatsoever never had to worry about losing their life in school. Nowadays, it's as if if you're a student looking to get an education, if you're a teacher looking to give said education to said students, faculty, staff, etc., you're at risk every time you go into a school. We can talk about rights all we want as it pertains to firearms. But if we want to talk about rights, let's talk about these rights. Every single human being that goes into a school, students, teacher, faculty, staff, etc., has the right to come home safe. There is nothing, nothing worth the price of one child's life. And because we continue to do nothing in this country, we still have people and are going to continue to have people unless we change something who have that empty seat at the dinner table who won't get to take their kids trick-or-treating into soccer practice or any of the normal things that every kid should be able to do in this country. They won't get to do that now. Does it bother you? I'm not talking about you, the audience. I know you, the audience. Of course, you, anybody with a speck of humanity is devastated by this issue. But when I talk about you, I'm talking about those who have the power to make the changes. Particularly in this state that I live in. The fact that I am a Tennessean, it does hit different. And when you consider the fact that since July the 1st of 2021, so almost two years ago, any individual, regardless of background, can walk in and purchase a firearm without a permit, without a gun permit. 
not only is that terrifying, it's an insult. It's an insult to the people in this state, law-abiding citizens, law-abiding gun owners who'd never even think about doing something like what happened in Nashville today. It's saying, wait, 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 Th this person who potentially has awful intentions, they get the same right to a very dangerous weapon as I do? If there's anybody that should be outraged about what's going on, it's law-abiding gun owners. The reason nothing has changed is because those in power don't want it to change. Because when we have a problem in this country that we don't like, we look to change it. We look to use all of our resources to do that, except with this one. I will, um, I'll leave you with this. We can talk about solutions, and there are plenty. It's been evidenced many, many, many times in other countries, developed countries. All I will leave you with is this. There are about 334 million people who live in the United States. And there are, among those 334 million people approximately, 390 guns are owned. That is the highest civilian gun ownership by a very wide margin of any country. For context, we own 120.5 guns per 100 residents. Again, for context, Yemen is in second with 52.8. Serbia is third with 39.1, both of which are war-torn countries. When are we going to do something? When is it going to bother us enough to we actually put laws in place that will protect students getting an education? This is the greatest country in the world believe that with every fiber of my being. Part of the reason it's one of the greatest countries in the world and the, the, the number one thing that we boast about in America is the freedom and opportunity that this nation provides. Is it too much to ask? Is it too much freedom to give? A kid walking into a school and getting to go home to their family. If that's too much to ask, then may God have mercy on this nation. I don't even know what to say at this point. I really don't. Uh, Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk. What's up, Ryan? He's in the comments. He says, thoughts and prayers to all those families in Nashville. He says, very well said, bro. I appreciate that, Ryan. Barry Grant Jr., the All Even Podcast. What's up, Barry? He says, we constantly get gaslit, but the bottom line is money, power, and the insatiable urge to keep both. Nothing will change because casualties are a necessary evil for the ones in control. Agreed. Uh, I think you know exactly who we're talking about in terms of who's providing said money and the individuals who collect said dirty money. If we're not even willing to come to the table to make the change, if we're caring more about the money that goes in our pockets 
and the lives of children. Like I said, may God have mercy upon this country. Last, last thing, and, and, and we'll move on. I have been outspoken on this show about the fact that I'm a Christian. I, I, listen, I'm not here to, to shove my beliefs down your throat. Don't believe that's what Jesus taught. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about how the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not an evil. It's not one of the evils. It is the root. It's what stems is the root of all evil. I think you're seeing that with this issue. It's, it's, there, there's, there's not, there's not that many things. I try to be a pretty even keel guy on the show, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm talking about sports. You know, it's in the scheme of life, it's, it's not all that important, especially compared to this. But this, this makes me mad beyond, beyond words. Uh, sports PSP Parnell, what's up, Parnell? Here at the grid, he says, hearts and prayers go to the people in Nashville. Yep, that's all, it's all we can do as citizens is pray, but we can also do is put pressure on our elected government officials. To where if they don't change something, okay, we'll, we'll vote your behinds out of office. I don't know how to transition to sports, but I will do my very best. Because one of the things I do love about sports is that it is the ultimate getaway from, from the real world. You know, if a game doesn't go our way, it's not the end of the world. If something happens that we don't like in sports, sun's coming up the next morning. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, here we go. So we will shift to sports. We will shift to the NFL. And we'll shift to Lamar Jackson. Who, this morning, around this morning, late afternoon, announced that he has requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens. He did so on March 2nd, so about, about three and a half weeks ago, Lamar Jackson asked out of Baltimore, and he did so by revealing himself. He put a tweet, uh, a, a, a series of tweets on, on Twitter. He said, quote, a letter to my fans. I wanted to first thank you all for the love and support you consistently showed towards me. All of you are amazing, and I appreciate you all so much. I want you all to know not to believe everything that you read about me. Let me personally answer your questions in regards to my future plans. As of March 2nd, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization for which the Ravens has not been interested in meeting my value. Any and everyone that's met me or been around me know that I love the game of football and my dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. You all are great, but I had to make a business decision that was best for my family and I. No matter how far I go or where my career takes me, I'll continue to be close to the fans of Baltimore Flock Nation and the entire state of Maryland. 
you'll see me again. So Lamar goes on Twitter and announces that he is requesting a trade. So we'll see how this continues to play out. Um, I, I did like a quick reaction video on social media, on Instagram. And sort of my takeaway take was, is it possible? Is it conceivable that Lamar Jackson used the fully guaranteed deal to get out of Baltimore? Because remember this. We talk about, oh, that's that's the backbreaker. That's why the Ravens aren't paying him. Remember that Deshaun Watson got paid last year after that trade for the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, biggest fully guaranteed deal in NFL history, and Lamar's like, okay, I want more than that. At least that's what the reports say. And again, Lamar Jackson did say in the tweet, don't read everything that is said about me. The Baltimore Ravens could have paid Lamar Jackson after 2020, in which, by the way, he led them to the playoffs for the third straight year and for the first time in his career won a playoff game. Injuries weren't a concern. He was improving as a passer. He was just a year removed from a league MVP, a unanimous MVP at that. There was no Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed deal in place, and the Ravens didn't pay Lamar after the 2020 season. They had the opportunity. Deshaun Watson was traded about mid to late March. Ravens could have paid Lamar then. They exercised his fifth-year option, but they could have paid him then. It's now that the Deshaun Watson deal comes into play. Lamar Jackson reportedly asks for the Deshaun Watson contract and more than that in guaranteed money. And that's been the talking point. My question is, what was the holdup after 2020 and after 2021 for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens? I've said on this show, I said when I came back a couple of weeks ago, that I do think Lamar not having an agent complicates matters because of the fact that if Lamar had an agent, the Ravens' front office would be more wary about criticizing Lamar because if they attack this agent's client, then a good chance that if there's a big-time free agent or somebody that you know, is is potentially wants to go to Baltimore, the agent could be like, yeah, but they kind of lowballed us. Like, they, I don't think you want to go to the Ravens. Baltimore, no, nor any smart NFL organization wants to do that. But need I remind you, DeAndre Hopkins didn't have an agent. He got paid by Arizona. Larry Tunsil did not have an agent. He's now the highest paid tackle in the sport. Again, I say about Lamar Jackson, and it's, he's, I always say there's three quarterbacks in the NFL that I genuinely don't get the criticism. Again, if we're trying to hold them to the standard of a Mahomes, a Burrow, a Lawrence, an Allen, they're not going to meet it because they're not as good. Dak, Carr, Lamar Jackson. They're absolute top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. They've had to overcome a lot in terms of what's been put around them, or in the case of Dak and Carr, what's been going on upstairs in the organization. Lamar, that's not the case, but his best receiver was a tight end. And Mark Andrews is good, but you take Mark Andrews out of the game, now all of a sudden, who do you who do you worry about if you're the Baltimore Ravens? You say, well, no free agent wants to come there. Then trade for one. Okay, DeAndre Hopkins is on the market. There's been plenty of other wide receivers in years past on the market. They never went after him. They never drafted 
a wide receiver high outside of Hollywood Brown. So this feels to me like Lamar Jackson was using the contract, the fully guaranteed deals an opportunity to force his way out of Baltimore. Because he got frustrated after a while. Like, okay, if you guys still aren't paying me two years later, I'm out. For the record, this is what I said Dak should have done in 2021. I think he made a mistake. That's neither here nor there. So now the question is, who are the suitors? It's funny. I actually got a comment here from my man, uh, Parnell. He says four teams he should play at. Washington, New York Jets, Miami Dolphins, Atlanta Falcons. I think all of which are... In play, I would say the Jets are the least likely. The only reason I say that is because they are going out of their way to please Aaron Rodgers. Again, that deal still isn't finalized. Shocker, it's Aaron Rodgers. But they've got Nathaniel Hackett. They brought in Alan Lazard. They're rumored to possibly go get Randall Cobb and Odell Beckham Jr. Like... This they're 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 not gonna bring in those guys to land Lamar Jackson. So I think the Jets are out of it. Atlanta makes all the sense in the world. They've got plenty of weapons. They play in a cupcake division, easiest division in the league. Tampa Bay's in a rebuild, Carolina's in a rebuild, is gonna have a rookie quarterback. Saints are fine. Derek Carr makes them better. I think they're the favorites to win the division today, but that's not saying much. It's not that good of a division. Atlanta's got a defense that needs to improve, but they got plenty of weapons offensively. Cordero Patterson. Kyle Pitts, Drake London. I think Arthur Smith is an okay head coach. Not great, but he's he's he hasn't been a disaster. Plug Lamar Jackson to that. That could work. Miami, I think, makes all the sense in the world, but I think that they seem like the organization, they are going to refuse that they were admit, to admit that they were wrong on Tua, just like the Bears did with Mitch Trubisky. And you're going to see this thing play out for at least the next year. Washington Commanders. By the way, Parnell's a Commanders fan. Check out his podcast, Commanders Demand, on the grid. Maybe, especially with new ownership coming into play, I think that's an option. But can I tell you what makes the most sense? And I thought about this, and with this new report, seems like it's almost meant to be the New England Patriots. This report came in about an hour ago from Albert Breer, who's one of the most connected people in the NFL, one of the better insiders that there is. Albert Breer uh, reported that Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, said that Meek Mill, the rapper, shout out Meek Mill, texted Lamar Jackson, texted uh, Meek Mill texted Robert Kraft that Lamar Jackson wanted to come to the Patriots. Kraft said that, quote, it would be Bill Belichick's decision. So this comes down to Bill. Okay. This, to me, makes all the sense in the world for Lamar Jackson. New England is a team that has struggled historically to draft wide receivers. We know that. But, and I've given them credit for this, they went out and got Juju Smith-Schuster, who's not a one, but he's a two, and he's much better than any receiver they've had in years. And they finally, it took them three, four seasons, but they finally got a a legitimate replacement for Gronk, Mike Gusecki. So that's two weapons that Lamar Jackson has. Could you trade for another? Possibly. Not to mention, you have an actual offensive coordinator this time. I don't think Bill O'Brien's that good of an offensive coordinator. Some of those numbers in New England are a little bit inflated because he had, you know, the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the league, greatest player in the history of team sports. But if you're telling me, listen, New England got to the playoffs in 2019. They went 12-4 and with Tom Brady having a eh, year. 
part of that, I think a large part of that is because the receiving core was garbage. We saw that when Tom went to Tampa won the Super Bowl. But they got to the playoffs. Do I think New England wins the division with Lamar? I don't. I still think Buffalo's the favorite. But you add Lamar to the Patriots, a team that almost made the playoffs with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, two backups? Yeah, that's a dangerous team in the AFC East. A team to win the AFC? I doubt it. But Lamar Jackson is the type of guy that ain't Bill Belichick loves. Belichick's a guy, he's very much a, you know, we talk, talk about do your job and and all the, the cliches that have come with the Patriots over the past two and a half decades. That's Lamar Jackson. He's one of the hardest workers in the league. He's dedicated to his craft. You could tell uh, this notion that Lamar hasn't improved that much as a passer is nonsense. Look at all of the numbers. They say he's one of the best pocket passers in the NFL. We know he's a playmaker with his legs. He's got a solid arm. He's accurate. He's an excellent leader. Much better leader than Mac Jones is for that matter. He's everything the Patriots need. So I think Lamar to New England makes all the sense in the world. Does Miami make more sense? Probably, but I don't think they're going to move off Tua because they're stubborn and they're, they don't want to admit they're wrong. New England's been dying for a replacement to Tom Brady. They tried Cam. That didn't work. They tried Mac. It hasn't worked. Bailey Zappi was nice there for a while, and I like Bailey Zappi. I think he's better than Mac, but he's still a backup quarterback because I think Mac's a backup quarterback. That's the guy. You push all your chips in the middle of the table to get that guy. Because good chance, you're not going to get a chance, at least with Bill Belichick at head coach, because how much longer has he got? Another two, three years maybe? He's trying to pass George Hallis for the most wins ever by head coach. You're never going to get a better opportunity than this. So I think it's interesting. I think the fit works. As for Baltimore, listen. In their existence, which is 30 years more or less, they're, they're an organization that has proven to be well-run. They, I mean, they won a Super Bowl Trent Dilfer. Now, albeit they had the greatest defense to me in league history, the 2000 Ravens, which th- they did a 30-for-30 30 30 on, which was incredible. You have Joe Flacco, who put together one of the greater postseason runs we've ever seen in 2013. Pulled that off, and they've been successful with Lamar Jackson. Could they potentially trade with the team? Look to, I know my man Ryan Flowers suggested this, like a Houston with the number two pick, a an Atlanta. Again, Atlanta makes sense. Atlanta has a high pick. I think they're at number five, if I'm not mistaken. Trade with Atlanta, get the fifth pick. They get Lamar Jackson, you get the fifth pick to take a quarterback. That could be a win-win for both sides as well. But here's what I do know for a fact. Lamar has played his last game as a Raven. This is going to be a tug of war, just like the contract negotiations were. Lamar didn't blink during the contract negotiations. I have a hard time believing he'll blink during the trade process or at least his trade demand slash request. And at some point or another, the Ravens are going to have to make it happen. They can't lose him for nothing. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, the next few weeks and months play out for one Lamar Jackson. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
But I don't know. It, it just it never felt right from the beginning of last season when Lamar's talking about you know he's not going to he's not going to negotiate with the Ravens once the season starts, and then he's having a great year, gets hurt, the Ravens' offense sputters without him. I don't know. Again, I, this, I said the same thing to the Ravens that I said for the Cowboys when they spent they took two years too long to pay Dak Prescott. I kept saying, guys, the market for quarterbacks is just going up. Burrow's going to get paid. Herbert's going to get paid. Hertz is going to get paid. The market's just going to keep going up. Pay them while you can now because a year from now, two years from now, it's going to look like a bargain. I mean, people lost their you-know-whats, lost it about Dak Prescott getting the deal he got. He's like the ninth highest, eighth or, eighth or ninth highest paid quarterback in the NFL. That's about what he is. He's the eighth or ninth best quarterback. It all shakes out. The bargain of the league, though, is Patrick Mahomes, by the way. Uh, let's see. Barry says, but here's the funny part. They're still talking after his hissy fit. Ravens won't be bullied into a bad contract. Again, I don't think Lamar is asking for this contract. First of all, he said he's not. His campus said he is not asking for a, f- a fully guaranteed deal. Remember, again, I've compared it numerous times to Dak. Dak's camp never said, oh, no, no, Dak doesn't want $40 million. We found out, obviously, he did. Now, listen, we all want more money, of course, but a reasonable contract. To me, Lamar's just using this as leverage to get out of Baltimore. I think he wants out. That's why he requested a trade three and a half weeks ago. So, they, it, it, it'll, again, it'll be interesting, but I, I think one thing that is absolutely certain, Lamar has played his last down as a Baltimore Raven. That, that, is, that seems almost assured. We'll see. Atlanta, the Jets, if the Rodgers thing doesn't work out. I said from the beginning I would go after Lamar over Rodgers, but they've dug themselves too deep into the hole now. So it looks like they're going to have to, 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 you know, make their bed and, and sleep in it. So we'll see. And Barry says, I think both sides are better without each other. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Uh, if, there's, if there's an organization that can find a replacement for Lamar, it's the Ravens. But... Finding a guy who wins 75% of his games, that's not that's not easy. And he says, hope they can make it happen ASAP. No, same here. Because I'm not going to lie, these long, the, these year and a half, two year long contract talks get really old. Like I, I've gotten almost, like I wouldn't say annoyed because I love Lamar Jackson, but it's like, God, can somebody just pay him so we can move on? Like I already feel uncomfortable talking about another guy's money, but when it just drags out for as long as it has, it's just kind of, it's kind of depressing. I do want to move on to the Dallas Mavericks. Shift to the NBA, which we'll be talking about for the rest of the show. And some college basketball, by the way, in the third segment. I try to tell y'all. It, it's, it's as predictable as it comes. So, when the Dallas Mavericks a month and a half ago traded for Kyrie Irving from the Brooklyn Nets, I said it's a horrendous fit. Kyrie and Luka are both on-ball players. They're both bad defenders. And in the process, the Mavericks had to give up their best wing defender, Dorian Finney-Smith. And, by the way, the chances Kyrie comes back this offseason because he's going to be a free agent is slim to none. He's likely not coming back to Dallas. So Dallas gave up a ton of assets for a guy who's going to be there for two months and is a horrendous fit in the locker room and on the court with their best player. 
And as we sit here today, you look at the Western Conference standings, and while jumbled up and while, yes, we got 13 days left and a lot of things can change as jumbled up as the West is, the Mavericks are the 11th seed. If the season ended today, they would not be in the play-in tournament. The Dallas Mavericks, who made the Western Conference Finals last year and who have, in my mind, the third-best player in the NBA, would not even make the play-in tournament. For the record, Dallas was not all that good before Kyrie. They were not a team that was tearing up the West. But they certainly had a shot. Luka Doncic, the only guy with comparable playoff statistics to his, is Michael Jordan. I believe only Michael Jordan averages more points per game in the postseason than Luka. Luka averages something like 32.8. He was awesome in his first playoff run against the Clippers in 2020. He was, he was even better in 2021 against the Clippers. And in 2022, he took off. He was incredible against the Jazz, out of this world against the Suns. And he struggled against Golden State, but a lot of people do. So that's not a knock. <laughs> yeah, Kyrie Irving. And how, how many times do I have to go through this? Every, it's, it's, it's Russell Westbrook all over again. Every single team that Kyrie joins instantly gets worse the second he arrives in town. Boston gets hurt his first year with the Celtics. They get to the Eastern Conference Finals without him. They get to a Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals without him. 2019, he comes back, and they get blown off the court in the second round by Milwaukee. So he leaves. He goes to Brooklyn. Nets had a better record without him than with him in 2020. 2021 through, I'm sorry, 2020 through 21, Kyrie took two weeks off because he was mad about what happened at the Capitol on January 6th, as anybody with half a brain was, but we still had to go to work. Kyrie did not. Kyrie, Kyrie just disappeared. It turned out we actually found pictures of him in a strip club. That's neither here nor there. It's his personal business. The following season, the vaccine controversy, the Nets got swept in the first round. This season, the Nets, they've been right in the thick of the East. Lost Kyrie and KD, for that matter. They're fine. I mean, Brooklyn's probably going to be in the playoffs. In all likelihood, Kel Burgess is playing well. It's some, some good players over there. Spencer Dinwiddie joins Dallas, and they're the 11th seed, riding a four-game losing streak. So much to the point where Luka Doncic said he has lost his joy playing basketball. And that's saying a lot coming from Luca, who, when he's hot, man, he he's like, it's like Steph Curry almost. He's just grinning. He's smiling. He's literally laughing at his opponents. He's having such a jolly good time. Luca looks miserable and vocalized as much. Kyrie is one of the most talented basketball players that we've seen. Certainly at the guard position. I still maintain he's got the greatest handle I've ever seen in my life. With all due respect to Steph Curry, Allen Iverson, Jamal Crawford, whoever you want to throw out there. Ain't nobody can handle the basketball like Kyrie Irving. I can tell you that much. Kyrie Irving is a 50-40-90 guy. He just did that two years ago. 
shoot the basketball with incredible efficiency, especially for a guy his size. He's not a winning basketball player. The Cavs still made a finals without him. The Celtics were better without him. The Nets are finally functional without him. And the Mavs next year, rest assured, Dallas fans, will be better without Kyrie Irving. I don't know how much more evidence that you can possibly need. Everywhere he joins instantly gets worse. He's not a good fit on the court. He's a horrendous fit in the locker room. And he is constantly playing the victim, unlike any athlete that I've seen. Talk about, ah, everybody's going after me and whatnot. And and and, and talking about how the, the, the Mavs fans are out of line for booing him. Listen, I'm not I'm not a big fan of booing. I think it's a little immature, but letting that get to your head, it's like, dude, you're in year 12 in the NBA. You've won a championship with LeBron. He still hasn't learned. You can never count on Kyrie to be there, to be available for health reasons or for whatever weird stuff, like the him getting in trouble for posting the very clearly anti-Semitic doc on Instagram. The vaccine controversy, skipping two weeks in the middle of the season before that. This is who he is. At some point, when are we going to come to terms with that? The Mavs and Mark Cuban and Luka Doncic and Jason Kidd are having to learn that the hard way. This was an awful trade from the beginning. And this is what it is. It's a bad fit. Man, oh man, it's it just does it doesn't work. I wish people over at some point you know recognize that. Let's see, Grady Edwards, what's up, Grady? He says I think Jason Kidd traditionally traditional. He knows how to come in and start something. Something I've noticed, Bryson, is he kind of tails off. Uh, just something to think about. I'll get some more comments, Grady. I appreciate the the compliment from John Rivera. I like the haircut. Thank you, thank you, John. John. Uh, Grady says a Jason kid trend. I noticed as he starts strong and then, ta- uh, then tails off, uh, Luca going to have the same problem Harden has with Houston. They are very similar players in their prime. I can see the scenario, uh, the, the comparison, both are volume scores. Both aren't great in the defensive end, but in a lot of ways, both are the only offense that their teams have. The Harden was for all those years in Houston, minus the Chris Paul years. And then Luca for most of his time in Dallas. That's fair. I mean, look, I was I was a big critic of Jason Kidd in his days in Milwaukee. I thought it said a lot about him that they won a title within a few years of him getting fired. And then as for his time in Dallas, I'm like, I was I didn't love the hire, but got to the conference finals in year one. I do, this year, Grady, I don't think is a Jason Kidd problem. I really don't. It's not that they can't be good defensively. They just don't have the personnel. I mean, Luka could do his best. Kyrie could do his best. But they don't have the personnel because they gave most of it up to get Kyrie. By the way, Jalen Brunson is serviceable on that end of the floor. Kyrie is not. It's the Kyrie Irving effect. And no shock to anybody, at least no shock to me, because I saw this coming from the get-go. It didn't work. I mean, the West is as jumbled as it gets. You've got... Between Golden State at the, I'm sorry, between the the Clippers at the five seed and the Mavs at the 11 seed, there's a three game difference. That's how jumbled up the West is. 
And it's Dallas as who who's one of the teams that's completely nosediving. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Kyrie Irving effect. Not only is he a bad fit on the court, he's a terrible fit in the locker room. I did want to briefly touch on, though, the... Final, I'm sorry, the Elite Eight game from yesterday. So the Final Four set, it is the most unpredictable Final Four I've ever seen. Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, Miami, UConn. We do have one blue blood. Yes, UConn's a blue blood. They've won just as many titles as North Carolina and uh, won more titles than Kentucky. I mean, as many as Kansas, like they're a legitimate basketball, college basketball blue blood. They've won as many titles as all these these teams since 1999. So part of me is kind of pulling for UConn so that a blue blood wins the tournament. I don't want to see Florida Atlantic win the tournament. That'd be not good for college basketball. But the San Diego State and Creighton game, it was, boy, was that a doozy. Back and forth. Uh, it was actually a rematch from the first round the year prior. Crazy game. And it comes down to literally the last second of the second half of the game where you've got, I want to make sure I'm getting the kid's name right. You've got, uh, yeah, Darian Trammell, who's going up for a floater to try and win the game and gets fouled by Ryan Nimhart. And a lot of people are getting angry about the call. We don't have the video of the call on, on uh, uh, we don't have the video of the play on the show, so I apologize for that. It's, I'm sure it's all over you know, the internet, on social media, etc., I think people are mistaking getting angry that the game ended with a foul with was it a foul or not. This is what I always talk about when it comes to officiating. People see me sometimes as someone who defends refs too much. And listen, if a ref makes a horrible call at the end of the game, I'll be the first one to call it out. For example, the Celtics-Lakers game, it's it's one of the worst missed calls I've ever seen in a basketball game. What Jason Tatum did, slapping LeBron's arm, going to the rim. Absolutely the most obvious foul you'll ever see, and they didn't call it. Awful, awful, awful no call. As bad as it gets. This is a foul. You've got the kid, uh, Tremel, and Tr- Tremel going up for the floater. Nimhard clearly p- puts his arm or his hand on the guy's hip and nudges him in that direction. That is contact. That is a foul any day of the week. It's kind of like the Super Bowl when people got mad about the the James Bradbury, Juju Smith-Schuster play, that's holding. He grabbed his jersey, he impeded his progress. That is flat-out holding. This is a foul. Like, I I think we... And listen, I, man, I don't want to see a, a Elite Eight game come down to a whistle either. I don't think anybody does. But the kid was fouled. Like, we can't, we can't just let it go all in the name of, well, let's let the players decide the game. Yes, let's let the players decide the game unless it's clear and obvious. This one, at least to me, watching live, was clear and obvious. If you are going up for a floater, a guy comes on your right hip, put he didn't shove him, but gives a push and like you know grabs your hip and pushes you, that is a foul. 
any day of the week, any way you slice it, that is a clear, obvious basketball shooting foul. And credit to the kid, Tremel. He, he, he knocked down one of two free throws and San Diego State won 57-56. I, I just think we get so, because of the intensity of these games, and I mean, who doesn't get caught up in it? That's why we love sports, the intensity of it all. It's why March Madness is so popular. But we're far too obsessed with how the game ends as opposed to was the correct call made. It's foul. I don't think college basketball officials are that great, but it's foul. Any, any way you slice it. But I'll tell you this. Nobody saw this Final Four coming. FAU, San Diego State, Miami, UConn. To my knowledge, I think I think it said something like 0% of brackets had this as a Final Four. It's the first time that we have... Let me make sure I'm getting the stat right. Yep. It's the first time in the history of the tournament that we haven't even had a top three seed make the Final Four. The highest seed left is a four seed, UConn. Then you got five seed Miami, five seed San Diego State, nine seed FAU. Again, the games are on Saturday. By the way, the women's Final Four, I'm looking forward to watching that. Maryland, South Carolina. I got South Carolina, absolutely. And then... Um, Let's see, am I getting this right? Hold on. I'm, so, I'm sorry, that's not the final four. It's the Elite Eight. What am I doing? Uh, yeah, I do have South Carolina win the whole turn, uh, the whole thing, though. I did have them in my bracket. But can I just say this about Iowa's Caitlin Clark? Uh, she's pretty good. Last night against Louisville, uh, Caitlin Clark dropped 41, 12, and 10. The first forty, it's for, first thirty point triple double in the history of the women's tournament. It's the first forty point triple double in the history of the women's tournament. Uh, Eleven for nineteen for the field, eight for fourteen from three. Average twenty seven a game in the regular season. She is literally women's basketball's version of Steph Curry. She can literally, literally pull up from anywhere. Just a couple steps in half half court, she can let it go. Like, again, you got to defend her like you defend Steph, like you got to defend Damian Lillard, all the great shooters, all the great distance shooters. You got to press up on them. Um, Caitlin Clark, I think Paige Beckers, who unfortunately was not healthy this year, UConn got knocked out uh, recently in the tournament. Paige Beckers, Caitlin Clark, expect them to be, expect those two to be some of the faces of the WNBA moving forward because, man, listen, I, I love shooters. You know, Steph's my guy, so I, I love watching the great shooters in, in, in the NBA. Uh, listen, <laughs> she, 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 she's going to do some damage to WNBA. I'll just say that 41, 12 and 10 in a tournament game is incredible. Hats off to Caitlin Clark and to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Although I still do still have South Carolina wing at all. I got them winning it all again. All right. Moving back to the NBA for a moment. I want to talk a little bit about the Lakers. So they lost yesterday to the Chicago Bulls, uh, 118 to 108. LeBron came back. Actually, LeBron came off the bench in this game, uh, for, first game since injury, when they played the Dallas Mavericks a few weeks back. It's actually the second time LeBron has ever come off the bench in his career, the first time, I think, since December of 07, if I read correctly. But the Lakers lost to the Bulls. Bulls are fighting for a playing spot in the East. But people are kind of downing the Lakers, like, oh, they lost without they lost LeBron coming back, yada, 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 and Anthony Davis, you know, shocker, didn't play all that well. Or play below a standard, rather. I got to admit to y'all. I loved all of the trades the Lakers made a month and a half ago. 
Like I almost every single one. The Mo Bamba one's a little weird, but every other one outside of that, I thought made all the sense in the world. Jared Vanderbilt works. D'Angelo Russell's a shot creator. Uh, is 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 obviously a better shooter than Russell Westbrook and ball handler. You think about guys they bring in Rui Hachimura. I thought great wing defender can space the floor, can knock down an open three. These are all good fits with LeBron and AD. But I thought, eh, it's a little too late. I don't see them winning more than maybe a series in the West. Given how the seeding's gone, I don't think they can win three straight series to get to the finals. With them being the road team in all three, or at least not having home court advantage to start all three, I gotta admit to y'all, I think the Lakers are a threat to win the West. I really do. The question is Anthony Davis, but the common thread, the common theme for AD is usually if he's in kind of a a, a, a slump, which he was last week. They talked about when he had that awful mistake against Dallas, then he played poorly against Orlando. Austin Reeves was 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 the hero that day in Los Angeles. But every third game, you usually get Anthony Davis. You get your 27-13 and 5 game. If you can get that every third game, LeBron gives you 25 9 assists. Good, not great because LeBron is near 20, but good defense. And with all the young legs that they have around them, I don't know if you're the Denver Nuggets. You, do you, are you looking forward to playing the Lakers? Is that a team? Because the West is so weird. Because this could be the first time maybe in playoff history where we maybe like all of the lower seeds in the first round as opposed to the higher seeds. Because the higher seeds are Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, and then it'll either be Phoenix or the Clippers, depending on who who, who gets that fourth spot. There's a half-game difference, so we'll see in the next 13 days. And then the lower seeds will either be Clippers or Suns, Warriors, likely the Lakers, and then either the Clippers, OKC, New Orleans maybe, all of which, by the way, I'll talk about Warriors Timberwolves in just a second, all of which are very dangerous teams in the West. Out of those teams, if you're Denver, let's take Golden State and Phoenix and the Clippers out of it. Because I think all of them would beat Denver in the first round. Maybe not the Clippers. The Phoenix and Golden State would. Out of Minnesota, New Orleans, Lakers, OKC. Who, if you're a Nuggets fan, who do you want to play the least? I'll tell you, if I'm a Nuggets fan, I don't want any parts of these Lakers. Austin Reeves has found his rhythm. I don't think you're, listen, you're not going to get 30, 36 points, whatever it was for Austin Reeves. That, don't expect that. I don't think it's a Jeremy Lin run like people are insinuating. I don't think it's that. I think he's going to be a, have a good long NBA career. Don't think he's ever going to be an all-star. But if you get LeBron, it eases his way back into the lineup. I think it's part of the reason the Lakers lost last night, by the way, because the fact that when you're putting a star player back into the lineup after a few weeks off, you know, when 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 said star is gone, the role players start to build a little bit of rhythm. They, you know, the rotations are the same. There's certain when you get used to that, and so once a new player comes back in, it throws things off a little bit. They'll adjust, I think. Darvin Ham's doing a good job this year. I think he's gotten way too much criticism uh, than he he should get. But that Lakers team, I mean, I'm not so sure I wouldn't pick them to beat the Denver Nuggets. Now, Denver got a big win against Milwaukee. Props to them last night or the other night. 
but the Lakers are going to attack Jokic in every pick and roll. Jamal Murray, again, he's played very well this year, but he is coming off of an injury, so he's not as good defensively. Michael Porter Jr., don't know about his health from game to game. And Darvin, Darvin Ham, Mike Malone, feels like an even matchup. And then after that, they probably face Phoenix the Clippers, in which maybe their season comes to an end, but maybe it doesn't. They've been one of the better teams in the league for the last two months. Since the trades, they've been arguably a top-five team in basketball. I don't know. <laughs> That's I'm not picking them to win the West. You know, I'm still rolling with, with the team of the Bay Area, the defending NBA champions, for those of you that didn't know. But that's a dangerous team out West. That Make no mistake about it. The Lakers are absolutely in a better spot than they were recently. Uh, Barry says, who Barry's a Lakers fan, by the way, Darvin Ham will prevent them from winning. Darvin Ham makes my head hurt. He loves small guards. He needs to coach middle school. Well, I mean, we blamed Vogel, and the Lakers had the same problems this year. The problem with the Lakers, Barry, and to all Lakers nation, was personnel. That was the issue. Okay, but late in games, you need Schroeder in. You need Austin Reeves in. You need these shot creators and shot makers. For the record, guys that can hit free throws, unlike Anthony Davis, late in games. Like, a a late-game lineup of, let me do this in my head. Okay, Schroeder, Reeves, LeBron... Vanderbilt, AD, that's as good of a closing lineup as there is in the West. It's not the best, but it's top three, top four, no doubt about it. Like you almost, Darvin Ham kind of has to play small guards late in these games. Now, they could be liabilities in the defensive end, but I think it works. I think it works. Now, uh, you know, I do disagree with that. Rui getting a DMP. Rui's gotten a lot of DMPs as of late. Not DMPs, but limited minutes. I think he's a guy that needs to play more. He says he had he had Dennis guarding DeRozan. Awful. Well, look, you're, you're gonna need to you're gonna need to make adjustments uh, as time goes on. But I still think Darvin Ham might, and I think Mike Malone is again an, another guy who I think's a little bit over criticized the head coach. Like I like Mike Malone more than I like Mike Budenholzer. I, I've never been a Budenholzer guy, but. That's that's a potential fun first round matchup. Now the Lakers today are the okay they're the nine seed, but again they're a half game out of eight, a game out of seventh, and two game no no I'm sorry half game out of eighth, game out of out of seventh, game and a half out of sixth. So they're close. Like they're I've, I've maintained all season long, said from the beginning, said even when Lakers were two and ten, Lakers are going to the playoffs. Still maintain that, and I think they're as dangerous a team as they're in the West. They can lock you up defensively. They're a far better three-point shooting team than they were in years past. Oh, and by the way, they're getting a top five in the league coming back from injury. That helps. You do not want to play the Lakers the first round if you're a top seed. I hope it's Denver for, for LA. I don't, I don't want them to get Memphis. You know, I don't want them to get Memphis. I want us to get Memphis. I want the Warriors to get Memphis. I don't I don't want the Lakers to get the pleasure of knocking the Grizzlies out of the playoffs. That, that, that's that's our job. Okay? That, I mean, if the Lakers face the Grizzlies in the series, I'm going to be forced to kind of pull for the Lakers. Okay? Because, listen, I mean, I like L.A. Not the city. City's awesome. I mean, I like the Lakers. But, uh, I mean, they could, they could talk. Some of those guys, AD could talk all he wants. LeBron Dankster could talk all he wants. They got a ring. 2020. Grizzlies have done nothing. 
No, we we want the Grizzlies. We want the, the team that knocks them out. Uh, I knew this was coming from somebody. It was John Rivera. John just says, be careful what you ask for. No, 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 no. We want Memphis. Because we know one thing about Memphis. They're not great in clutch time situations, and we go right after John Morant defensively in the pick and roll, whether it's Steph, Jordan Poole, etc. So let's talk about the Warriors. Last segment of the day. Uh, they lost to the Timberwolves last night. It was a tough, tough loss. Golden State's up. Let me make sure I get yeah, 96-95 with there's 27 seconds left. Rudy Gobert goes one for two at the free throw line. By the way, Rudy Gobert hit one shot last night. But Warriors are up one with 27 seconds left. They're playing keep away. They're trying not to get fouled. And Draymond's looking to throw a pass, I think, to Clay on the right wing. Kyle Anderson, slow-mo as they call him, makes a great jump of the ball and gets his hand in there. Takes it down the other end. Kicks it to Cat. Carl Anthony Towns, who just came back from injury, and without a without any hesitation, pulls up and, and splashes a three. And then Golden State, pull turns it over on the other end. Uh, and then Steph misses a, a tough shot from the corners, kind of off balance. He lost the ball initially. Tough shot off bounds, falling out of bounds to tie the game. No good. Timberwolves beat Golden State. Here's why I'm not worried about this game and why I'm actually really high on my Warriors moving forward. This game in particular, I think Steve Kirk said it best. Golden State didn't deserve to win. Clipper, I'm Clip, Clippers. Timberwolves were better than Golden State all night long. Cat played well. Gobert was... Got too many minutes. We attacked him every chance we got. But Anthony Edwards, while he was didn't have a great night offensively, was good defensively. Okay, you think about guys. Nas, I don't know what gets into Nas Reed every time he plays the Warriors. Okay, for, for non-Warriors fans, folks, Nas Reed is a pretty good rotational player in the NBA. He is. Guy turns into like, he turns into Cat when he plays the Warriors. It's incredible. He's knocking down threes all over the place like he's Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. And he's, 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 a torturing guys down low like he's Joel Embiid. It's unbelievable. I've never Nas Reed is the Warriors killer. You can get by the way, he went 10 for 17 with 23 points. He went three for five from three. I mean, he's incredible. Kyle Anderson, by the way, so he's so frustrating to watch as a basketball fan. He, he's kind of like Luca. He plays at his own speed. He looks like he's moving like two miles an hour, and yet he still gets shots at the rim. It's so frustrating. He played well off the bench. And Golden State turnovers what killed them. Golden State last night. They had 16 turnovers. It's hard to win, especially when you're not getting a ton of offense, offensive production. Steph didn't have a great night, 8 for 23, 20 points. He's got to be more efficient than that. Uh, Clay had a rough night, 5 for 17, uh, 5 for 11 from 3. He had 15 points. Poole was great off the bench. Poole, Jordan Poole's really seemed to found his, find his rhythm as of late. I've been brutal on him all season long. I think, and I didn't excuse the Draymond punch, but I didn't think it was as big of a deal as people were making it out to be. But... You know, it's Draymond numerous times this season, absent the punch, has gotten frustrated with the pool. Steph's gotten visibly frustrated. I can think of twice off the top of my head, one so much so, he got tossed out of a game. He got so mad at Jordan Poole. Steve Kerr's gotten mad at him during games because he's, he's, he started to do too much of the basketball. He's, he's, he's playing outside of himself. Now, he's shooting with confidence. He's not trying to do too much of the basketball. He's playing at his own speed, playing within the offense. He's been outstanding. Over the last four games against Dallas, he was the leading scorer for the Warriors against Philadelphia when they beat Joel Embiid the other night. That's why I have confidence the Warriors moving forward. I still maintain this team cannot win the finals without Andrew Wiggins. 
That's a wing defender who gives them 20 points a game. That is invaluable in the NBA. Matter of fact, that is the NBA. Guys who can knock down threes, get their own shot, whether it be in the mid-range, get to the paint, and can give the other team's best wing offensive player all he can handle. That's Andrew Wiggins in a nutshell. Golden State can win the Western Conference without Wiggs. I have a hard time. I definitely don't see them beating Milwaukee without Wiggins at all, with as many good wing players as they have. I have a hard time seeing them beating Boston, although I think think it can be done. And Philadelphia, with James Harden back, that seems tough, although I don't think Philadelphia is going to get to the finals because I don't trust Harden, and I don't trust Embiid to stay healthy. But Steph's playing well. It's Steph Curry. He's the best player in the world. Of course he is. Klay Thompson, again, since the new calendar year hit, has played like his all-star self. Has played as good a basketball as he's played in his career by the numbers. DiVincenzo's been a good fit off the bench and in the starting lineup. Looney's doing his thing. Had the best season of his, his, his career. Draymond's been great on both ends. He had a rough game last night. But again, just about every warrior not named Jordan Poole did. Golden State's fine. They fixed the road woes by beating Houston, albeit not very good. But then Dallas, in what was a big game in the Western Conference in terms of the standings, why should I not believe that Golden State's going to win the West? Denver's never gotten to a Finals. They got into a Western Conference Finals, and they got blown off the court by the Lakers in 2020. Memphis? Memphis give anything to be Golden State. I, I've been, I made my feelings about Memphis very clear. No. Sacramento, I think, is really good. Mike Brown's the runaway coach of the year. They're 25th in defense. They can't guard anybody. Clippers, without Paul George, and I still think the Westbrook thing is going to bite them in the butt as time goes on. Phoenix is absolutely a threat, but is KD healthy? That's the question for them. I think he comes back in a couple of days, so that should be interesting. Uh, he's the greatest plug-and-play player I've ever seen in my life. But I just don't see anybody in the Western Conference that I say, oh, they're clearly better than Golden State in numerous areas, matchups, experience. I don't see it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sorry, I don't see it. But they need Wiggins to win the Western Conference to win to win the finals. Uh, let's see. Oh man, come on, Alfred. Alfred Parso during the Metropolitan Report. By the way, love the new logo, Alfred. He says, I don't think the dubs have much of a chance to repeat. Great at home, rotten on the road. Their age is starting to show. I don't know about that. I don't know about the age thing. Steph's averaging 30, 6 and 6. Uh, Clay is, is, what's Clay average? Like 22? Clay's average, yeah, but yeah, 21.7. He's averaging 22 a game. He's shooting a great percentage for the field and from three. Draymond, while he is aging, is still extremely productive in his role with the Warriors. If whatever gets Golden State, I think it will be either Wiggins not being there. And again, we don't know if Wiggs comes back or not. That's, that's still kind of up in the air as he deals with a personal family matter. And or if injuries get them. If injuries get Golden State, you got me. They can't win the West. But as wide open as it is this year, that's that's the... If there's any season for Golden State to have a weird year, it's this one because of how weak the Western Conference is. I'm telling y'all. I remember last year when the Warriors were kind of... Falling apart. Steph had just gotten injured. He missed three, four weeks. They were falling apart defensively. Couldn't get a whole lot going offensively. Couldn't win a game to save their life. And then they won their last five games of the regular season. Went into the playoffs hot. Got Steph back. And the rest is history. They held the Larry O'Brien Trophy in June. Golden State started getting a roll. Again, Alfred mentions heartbreaker. 
uh, of a loss to the Wolves last night. Yes, agreed. But they didn't play well enough to win that game. And Minnesota, healthy, is a very good basketball team. Championship contender, no, but a, a tough out in the first round. We saw that with the Grizzlies, given all they could handle last year with Minnesota. Anthony Edwards is getting better. Cat's back. Now, Gobert's a horrible fit, but you 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 got to bite the bullet on that one. I still don't know why, why, why Minnesota made that trade, but that's neither here nor there. I still maintain, if the Golden State Warriors are healthy, you can guarantee it, they will be in the NBA Finals. If Andrew Wiggins comes back, you can guarantee it, they will be your 2023 NBA champions. I called it last year. I'm calling it this year. It's a good year for the West to be weak because Golden State's playing good basketball at the right time. Want to go in the playoffs streaking, want to go in the playoffs healthy and playing good basketball, and that's what they're doing. Last night was a stinker, but last night is kind of an outlier given how they played in the last week or so. Okay, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving It Up live on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern at 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter. We're not on Facebook anymore. Sorry for the Facebook audience, but you can catch on Twitter at Carving It Up Pod and on both the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid YouTube channel. We're dual streaming now, which is exciting. Be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network on YouTube. It is a network that I am a part of, have been since its founding, and very, very excited to see where it continues to build from here. Uh, you saw Alfred in the comments, the Metropolitan Report. He's putting some great, great stuff out there. Hey, next time I do a show, we'll be in the midst of, well, not the midst, but we'll be, be opening day of of the Major League Baseball season. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to the content that he puts out there. I think he's got an opening day special coming up. Uh, talked to him this past Friday on the show. So definitely be sure to be on the lookout for his new stuff. Barry Grant Jr. is in the comments. All Even Podcast. New episodes out now on the grid. Uh, who else was in the comments uh, part of the grid? I think that was all of our grid people in the comments. But yes, thank you. Oh, oh, no, no. Parnell. Parnell and Ryan. Shout out to Parnell, the Commander's Demand Podcast on the grid. Washington Commanders fan, great, great stuff. Check out his his content. Ryan Flowers just did a show yesterday, Clutch Sports Talk. Check his stuff out on the Grid Network. Patrick Brown, the Chaotic Sports Podcast, the Forum Podcast, which is a Lakers show. Check out his stuff, the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. Okay, you got Alex, you got Anth, got Adam up there in Canada putting out some awesome content. Obviously, they're huge Cowboys fans. Love those guys. Got some, got some good content coming your way. So, this was a this was a tough one. Start the show with. Uh, hopefully, the sports we were to talk talk about for the last forty minutes ish of the show, forty to fifty minutes of the show, was able to get your mind off of what's going on right now in Nashville. And I leave, all I can do is leave you with this. Obviously, thoughts and prayers will be. Greatly appreciated by the families, no question about it. But it's about time we put pressure. Obviously, I'm not suggesting violence in any shape, way, shape, or form. Don't want anybody to get any ideas with that. But it's time we put pressure on our elected officials to do something. Because if we don't, this just could keep happening as it's been happening for a very, very long time. Praying for all those involved in Nashville those who lost their lives, their families, and praying for change. 
and not just praying for change because the Bible says faith without works is dead, but also hoping to enact change. We the people doing what we can, but simultaneously putting pressure on those in government to make change, to keep all of us safe. Because we could talk about the freedom with the Second Amendment and whatnot, but we also have the freedom and the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Have a great week, everybody. Please stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.